Jesus, we thank you as we've sung tonight. We sense your presence in this place. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, you declared that when we preach your word, signs and wonders will accompany the spoken word. And Lord, very simply as I declare your word tonight, not my word, but your word, I pray that signs and wonders would accompany the word that has been spoken. That supernatural increase, supernatural fruit will come as a result of this word that is spoken. Lines of scripture that are vocalized, vocalized through my mouth, that are uttered from my lips, I pray that they would be like seed penetrating the heart, our hearts. And as a result of that, as a result of your word being declared, Lord God, I pray that it would be living and active within our lives. We pray for great fruit from it. We pray for personal blessing and enrichment as a result of your engrafted word. We remember verses like Paul encouraged the church with, let the word of Christ, the word of God, dwell within you richly. Oh God, we pray that all other things would be displaced from our lives. That the richness of your word would find a deposit in our lives, especially in these days. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name for your glory and all God's people said, Amen. Fantastic. You can be seated. I'm going to ask James to continue to play. I love it when James plays. It's fantastic. Well, we are here. We are here tonight. Wonderful. And um, like Faye said, it's um, the only service that we have in February. But come March, we're going to be here every night, praising God, every Sunday night. Every Sunday night. We're not seven days a week yet, but who knows? Listen, we've got to be up for anything, haven't we? God is so good. He really is. And, um, you know, we want to just devote our lives. I do. I want to devote my life to the cause of Christ. I really do. I know there's lots of things to attend to. There's lots of things that we're busy with. And those things can't be just left and put aside. They're important to attend to. But, oh, the prize of our lives is to fellowship one with another and to know his abiding presence in our lives. Well, this evening I want to talk to you about the blessing of trusting God. The blessing of trusting God. When you look through the Bible and you see the blessing that comes as a result of trusting God, the riches that are given 
to men and women alike as they trust God amidst pressure, as they trust, trust God amidst the changing periods and changing seasons of life. Oh, the blessing that comes as a result of putting our trust and our faith in Him. You know, sometimes we glibly say, don't we? I'm trusting God. It kind of rolls off our tongue very glibly. But you know what I found uh, through my life, and you may have found this too, to reach that place of trust, to reach that place where you can truly, with all of your heart, trust God in an area, in a season of your life. It's not quickly arrived at. To trust God in certain seasons of life, to trust God with certain areas of our life. It's not a place necessarily that's quickly arrived at. But when we truly trust God, when we truly surrender, because that's another word really for trusting God, when we truly surrender over to Him, our desires and our aspirations and our thoughts, or when we submit our will to His will, oh, we've arrived at a place of great freedom. We've arrived at a, a, a place of great liberty. We've arrived at a point, and we're going to see this tonight. We've arrived at a point of great blessing because the blessing of God is linked to trust. To trust. So, um, Proverbs 3, you can read it. I haven't got it on the screen tonight, but it came to me as we were singing. You'll know the words well, Solomon and also of David. Proverbs chapter 3, Solomon said this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. That's a man that's come to a place of trust. A man that understands that it's the whole heart that has to be given over to God in order for trust to begin. It's the laying down of our way. It's the acknowledging of God in every area, in every thing of our lives. Leaning not on our own understanding. That's a place that's not quickly arrived at. It really isn't. And sometimes it takes many years, many different seasons, many different situations for us to go through in order to come to that place of complete trust and surrender. But you know what? I really do believe that the Holy Spirit wants to help us, lead us on this journey where we're in this wonderful relationship of trust with Him. Do you know trust is the ultimate expression of love? God loves it when we trust Him. God loves it when we're not suspicious of the promises that He's given. You know, you see the inconsistencies of God's people as they were led out of Egypt, Israel, His people, as they were led out of Egypt through the sea, they went into the wilderness. God did incredible miracles and they over that 40-year, 80-year period that they were in the wilderness, there were so many inconsistencies in their relationship with God, not because God failed them in any promise, but because they couldn't trust Him. 
They couldn't trust him. And therefore, they were always wanting to go back to Egypt. They were always kind of turning around and going around in circles in the wilderness because they couldn't trust him with all of their heart. The issue has always been about trust. Trust is the ultimate expression of love. And when God sees that ultimate expression of our love to him in that we give him our trust, he says, I'll bless that life. I'll bless that life. I tell you, it takes God's attention. God's gaze is on such a life. And I really do believe the Holy Spirit wants to encourage us tonight. And there's, there's some areas that we are going to look at quickly. From Psalm 84, we're going to see the blessings that are directly connected to this whole area of trust. When you study any scripture, when you study any chapter in the Bible, more often than not, there's a key verse to the chapter from which everything flows, from which everything is linked. It's like the soil bed from which everything grows. And in Psalm 84, it would seem that verse 12 of this wonderful chapter is the key verse to the blessings that are described from David's life in this psalm. It says this, verse 12, let me read it to you. It says, O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts you. There's a lot in that statement right there. There's a lot packed. There's a lot of life experience. There's a lot of heart devotion in those words. Blessed is the man who trusts in you. This seems, when you read the chapter, this would seem to be the key verse that unlocks many of the blessings that are described and listed within this psalm. Now, when we go through life, sometimes life can be very inconsistent. Have you noticed that about your life? When I, I look at my life, sometimes I think, wow, you know, one day I'm up, the next day I'm down and I'm up, and, and it seems to be so inconsistent. But the life that David describes in Psalm 84 is not inconsistent. It's not a life of up and down experience. It's a very consistent life. It's a very buoyant life. It's a very stable life. And this is the blessing that's attached to the life that trusts in Him. You see, if we will give Him our life, if we will give Him our trust, if we will surrender over areas and submit to His ways above our ways, our life won't be an up and down experience. There will be a consistency, a level of experience in life 
that is supernormal, supernatural. This picture that David gives in Psalm 84 is not a natural life. It's a life that is trusting in the Lord and that is experiencing another world in the midst of a very temporal, inconsistent, broken world. That's the blessing, that's the portion of those that would trust in the Lord. And this is Old Testament. This is Old Testament. And I want to encourage you, I really do want to encourage you tonight. I'm telling you now, this is not just a sermon. The Lord wants to enrich us. He really does. He doesn't want Dave Edwards having an up and down experience of life, governed by my emotions, which are very weak and very frail, just like yours. He wants Dave Edwards, just like he wants you, to have a consistent experience. Not necessarily problem free, but a life that even in the midst of a dark dungeon and a dark prison, just like Saul and uh, just like Paul and Silas were, singing in the night, an inconsistent outer experience, but a consistent spirit that sings in the midst of suffering. What is that? Trust. Trust. Trusting in the Lord, singing in the prison. This is the strength of the follower of Christ. This is, the, this is you. This is a description of you. It really is. And I really do believe that the Holy Spirit wants to encourage us tonight. The key to, this, to the psalm, the key to this great chapter is in this verse, O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. What does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to have the blessing of God land on your life? I'll tell you what it means when you look through the scriptures and when you see his blessing occur and his blessing manifest and manifold in somebody's life. It means this, God's power working for you in every circumstance. God's power working for you in every situation of life. His favor opening doors, his favor clearing the path, his favor in your mind, in your body, in your emotions. This is the portion of God's people. This is the delight that we should be experiencing when we trust him. Now we may not be there this evening, like face it this morning, you know, we're a work in progress. That's true. But I believe the Holy Spirit is pleased with us. I believe the Holy Spirit loves us so dearly. Oh, how He loves us so much. He wants to encourage us to trust Him because it's the key to so many blessings. Not only for your life, but you can be blessed to be a blessing to many other lives too. You know, um, I really do believe that this is, uh, this is I mean, this is a, a word for this evening. I really do. And I've spent time just preparing this and planning this because you are vitally important to God. That's an understatement. You are so loved. God loves us so much. And he's, he's very serious when it comes to our lives. 
and he's very serious about, about our emotional state, our well-being, our outlook, how we feel and, and how we're going and how we're doing in life. Bible calls Jesus the overseer, the caretaker of our soul. He's the one in our soul, the one that looks after it, the one that looks out for it, the, the caretaker, the overseer. Oh, how he loves us. And that's why he's encouraging us tonight, because we are very precious in his sight. We really are. I was in, um, um, in London yesterday. I had the privilege of going to hear Franklin Graham talk about the tour that they're going to be doing throughout the country, eight cities around the country. They're coming to Wales. And um, it was so wonderful to hear such a, a great man of God gently and calmly speak in the midst of fierce opposition. Gently speak, confident in God. Speak about what the Lord is going to do and his hopes and aspirations just to see people saved. He was manifest in wholehearted trust in the midst of event cancellation after event cancellation amidst all of the storms of labels that have been hammered against him. But gently and graciously speaking confidently of his trust in God about things that are going to take place throughout this year. It was wonderful to, to just listen to him. And uh, amazingly enough, I was sat by a great man of God called R.T. Kendall. My goodness. Anybody heard of R.T. Kendall? I know Dale, as Dale used to rave about him all the time and, and read his books. Amazing privilege, Dale. Honestly, right? 80, he's 84. Made 84, right? And, um, oh man, I sat next to this man and um, I, I started saying, saying to, I was talking to his wife and talking to him and and I said, oh, I, I said, I said, I love to, to listen to Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said, oh, I, I knew Dr. Martin very well. He was a Welshman. I thought, my God, this is great. This is, this, you know, like some people really desire to meet people from the Premier League or, you know, like, you know, famous people. I'm thinking, my God, this is wonderful. I just stay here all day and talk to him. This is a dream for me. This really is a dream. And um, he said, yeah, he said, I, I knew Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones very well. And, and R.T. Kendall was a, a graduate from Oxford in theology. I mean, you're talking top of the tree here. Very humble man, though. Very, and his wife was. She let me know, oh, yeah, I was a, you know, a theology major from Oxford as well. I'm thinking, boy, yeah. I didn't talk to him about my education. <laughs> But you know what? Wonderful. They were absolutely wonderful, wonderful people. And um, he said, oh, yeah, he said, um, he said I, I knew Dr. Martin really well. He said, when he retired, he handed the church over to me, Westminster Chapel. I said, and I kind of knew that, right? I said, wow. I said, you must have many wonderful memories about Westminster Chapel. He said, oh, yeah. And I could, you could see it in his eyes, man the fire of God and the Word of God burning in him, full of the Word. I said, um, I said, um, sir, I said, can I ask you? I said, can I ask you, what was your favorite series to preach on? He said, well, 
He said, that would have to be the book of Hebrews. 84 years of age, right? Sharp. That would have to be the book of Hebrews. I said, um, I said, how long did you preach on the book of Hebrews for? 10 years, he said. 10 years. The book of Hebrews. 10 years. I mean, I think I'm doing well if I get eight messages on one series. 10 years. The book of Hebrews, right? And, um, and, uh, and then he said, um, yeah, he said, I, I preached on the book of Jude as well. Now, Jude is one chapter, right? One chapter, right? One chapter. I need to stress one chapter in the book of Jude. Do you know how many, how many sermons he preached on the, on the book of Jude? 32. I mean, how do you preach 32 sermons on the book of Jude? And I said to him, I looked at him, I said, oh, I said, I love the teacher. I said, I said, you've got such an amazing gift. I said, we have teachers come to the church every, every so often. I said, it's such a beautiful gift to hear men and women teach. I said, it's such a rich gift. And he said, son, he said, what are you preaching on tomorrow? I said, I said well, my wife is preaching in the morning. He said, good. I said, I'm preaching, on, I'm preaching in the evening. He said, what are you preaching on? I said, Psalm 82. He said, can I tell you a story about Psalm 82? I said, oh, please do. I said, but can I use it as an illustration if you tell me the story? He said, yes. He said, I'd love you to use it. He said, when I was 82 years of age, he said, I received a card. And he said, in that card, it had Psalm 82. He said, I read it. And he said, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Artie, read Psalm 82 for the next 12 months while you're 82. Right? So he said, I've been reading it every single day, Psalm 82. And he said, examining it. He said, taking it apart. He said, oh, he said, I love it. He said, it's so rich. I mean, people like this, they fire you up. You just want to go and read the Bible. And um, he said, he said, I love it. He said, do you know what my favorite verse is? Now, this is for some of you tonight. You see, this was an exp this was this was an this was an experience, right? Set up. Not for me. This was set up for you. This was set up for you. I'm telling you now. He said, my favorite verse in Psalm 82 has to be verse 11. I said, right. He said, he said, the Lord. He said, he said, he says this. He said, the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do right. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do right. He said, son, he said, can I pray for you? I said, oh, please. He, he reached out his hand. He touched me. He said, Lord, he said, thank you. You're not going to withhold any good thing from this. And I like this bit young man I said thank you thank you so much sir and then we continued and talked about God's word do you know what I thought about that that was a setup I'm preaching on Psalm 82 then suddenly I'm sat by R.T. Kendall who's 82 reading the psalm every every day for the next 12 months whilst he's 82 that's no coincidence that's for you that I'm delivering it to you tonight 
that's just, I'm just the postman. God's just affirming His Word to you. And some of you need to know, listen, you felt that things have been withheld from you. Some things have had to be withheld from you because they would not have been good for you. You see, you, you, sometimes it's easy for us to think that there's certain things that we need in our lives and when they're withheld from us, we feel as if we, you know, dealt a bad deal. But no, God, your Father, will not withhold any good thing from you. He really won't. Now, some of you need to catch that tonight. You're going to go away from this place and that is just going to be branded in your life and you're going to walk through life knowing confidently, do you know what? Today, nothing good is going to be withheld from my life. You go into work, a new person. You'll go out into life, a new person. You'll go out into your home with your head held high, held high. That came from Oxford, right? You'll go out into, into life with your head held high, knowing the living Word of God resides in you that says no good thing. No good thing will be withheld from me because I do right. I walk right in His sight. So just catch that one. But this is where I really want to focus our attention tonight. Psalm 84 verse 7. Now, this talks about consistency of life. This verse talks about a buoyancy, a strength, a victorious experience, even in the midst of adversity, even in the midst of change and circumstance, which we're all subject to. Even in the midst of anxiety, that anxious spirit trying to corner you. I've been anxious so many times, fearful. I've had it all. Just like you, attacking you, trying to squash you. But I'm telling you now, this is the portion of God's people right here. And it's all linked to verse 12. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Listen to how David speaks about the blessing, the experience of the one that trusts in the Lord. It's, he says this, they go from strength to strength till each appear before God in Zion. The key to consistency, the key to having this wonderful quality of life whereby we go from strength to strength is trust. Trust. The highest form of love is trust. Trust. Lord, I trust you. I trust you with all of my heart. I am not going to lean on my own understanding. But in all of my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm not going to change my way. I'm not going to change my focus. I'm not going to change my decision. I'm not going to be taken off course or compromised. I'm trusting you. And in the midst of that trust, the blessedness of it is a consistent 
experience in amidst an inconsistent life, in amidst an inconsistent world, a life that goes from strength to strength. Even adversity becomes a means. I mentioned this briefly. Even adversity becomes a means of enlargement. Psalm verse 4 verse uh, Psalm uh, sorry chapter 4 verse 1 David says this hear me when I call O God of my righteousness thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress have mercy upon me and hear my prayer the intimacy the involvement we're not separated from God he's not distant when we trust him, even when we can't trace him, the blessedness of that is that we go from strength to strength. And this is the portion of God's people. You can go through it. You can go through all of the characters, even amidst great hardship and injustice. Just think about Joseph in Genesis. Goes down to Egypt. I mean, everything's going crazy. And there's a little verse that says this. You can read it when you go home. It says, Everything that Joseph did prospered because, and here's the all-important one, God was with him. God was with him. If you'd have looked as an onlooker at Joseph's life, his experience, You'd have said that's the most inconsistent, most unsuccessful life you can ever imagine. Up and down and in and out and injustice and craziness. He's doomed to Egypt. We forget about him. You know, he's a, he's a distant memory. And all the time, amidst the adversity, there's enlargement. Not easy. Trusting God. Trusting God. And even in the midst of great injustice and he's thrown into prison even there God's prospering him and suddenly the day comes when he's so large on the inside he's so ready so broken so changed so transformed having gone from strength to strength to strength and collected all of life's wisdom from all of the up and down experiences that he'd gone through. The time came where he was called for and it was a quick change of garments, a wash, and he was before Pharaoh and into an incredible new season in his life. Our lives don't depend, let me tell you now, on the decision-making of man. Our lives depend on the timeless, eternal, declared word of God. Simple as. Hallelujah. And God has things for all of us. Matters not what our age is, whether young or old. God has wonderful, wonderful things, I believe, that he will declare to us and he will perform. Amen? Amen. Let me read to you just another, another description of life that describes the life that goes from strength to strength. Psalm 92, David again, verse 12, 
to 15. It says this, now he's, he's likening us and describing us, defining, bringing definition to us as we go from strength to strength, as we place our trust in God. He says this, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow or she shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. That's not a life that's diminishing. That's not a life that's deteriorating. That's a life that's thriving. That's a life that's being fruitful. That's a life that goes from strength to strength to strength. To declare, they shall, sorry, they shall bear, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Psalm 84, verse 5 and 6, listen to these words. As we go into situations that are very barren, valley-like, dark, unfruitful for others, but they won't be unfruitful for us. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. The valley of Baca was renowned as a very dark valley. Another name for this valley was the valley of weeping, the valley of depression, the valley of despair. But the one that trusts in the Lord because of the blessing and the approval on their life, turn it into a place of abundance, turn it into a place of great blessing. And this was a very physical, a, a geographical location that David was talking about. But the message to us from this psalm is that there are, there are seasons and people that we will meet, that we will go through, times that, of hardship and difficulty. But because our trust is in Him and our, the blessing of God is on us, and because we are moving from this place of strength to strength, or the Bible calls it from glory to glory, from faith to faith, because there's an unbroken, consistent experience and life in God available to us, we will bring blessing where there is barrenness. Through our words, through our actions, through our encouragement, through our gentleness, through our love, through our embrace, of others. We bring hope when there's despair. This is the message that comes to us as we come through these various places of darkness. Finally, as we close, David loved the house of God. He loved it. You know, you read the psalm, he was even envious of the birds that made their nest there, their home there. And he was like, he was saying from his heart, oh, I wish I could be like that bird that makes its place, its home, its nest, its residence in the house of God. 
He says, even the birds of the air find their shelter there. He was envious. Just to be in God's house, to be in God's presence. But something wonderful occurred in David's life as he trusted the Lord. See, trust is the highest form of love. Trust is the highest form of affection. When you trust God, there's such a deep, intimate connection with him whereby you lay bare everything to him. Absolute surrender, submission. You're naked before him, not trying to hide or hold anything back. He knows it anyway. This is where David was at. And as a result of that, he has a beautiful revelation of God. Beautiful revelation of God. For in this psalm, and you see it, and I'll just refer to them quickly, and you'll be able to go and do your own study. But so many wonderful things happen as a result of this vital key of trust. So many wonderful things occur in our lives as we are on this intimate journey, this intimate relationship, whereby we hand over to God the reins of our lives. As David did that, he sees God in a wonderful, wonderful way. And he gives us five revelations of God in this psalm. Five names of God that came as a result of his trust in the Lord. That came as a result of his surrender and resulted. You see, when you've got a revelation of God, when you've got a revelation of who God is, your life can only ever go from strength to strength to strength to strength. That's why the enemy wants to keep us in ignorance. That's why the enemy wants to keep us in fear. That's why the enemy never wants us to have a revelation of God, have a revelation of his character, have a revelation of his names. Because then our lives is very inconsistent and broken. But David has a revelation of God. Firstly, in verses 1, 3, 8 and 12. He says, he is the Lord Almighty. He has a revelation of God's almighty power. And basically David here is saying, he is the Lord of heaven's armies. I'm telling you now, when you have a revelation, not just a knowledge, but an understanding that he is the Lord of heaven's armies. He is almighty God, as David did. You can only but go from strength to strength. It's impossible to have an inconsistent up and down experience. It really is. And God wants to satisfy the longing of our heart, the longing of our spirit, to know Him, to be secure in Him, to understand that He is Almighty, the Lord of heaven's armies. David knew that. And when he declared that the Lord was Almighty, and when he declared that He was the Lord of heaven's armies, he was describing God's great and mighty power. 
And he saw that power working for him. What did we say? Was the blessing of God. It's the power of God working for you. The almighty power of God arranging circumstances, sorting things out, clearing the way for you. If you can believe it, if you can receive it. Secondly, not only did David say that he's the Lord Almighty, the Lord of heaven's armies, he said he's the living God. Verse 2. What a wonderful understanding of God, the living God. He's alive. He acts on my behalf. He's intimately involved in every single moment of my life. Circumstance can never catch me by surprise because he's the living God. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. And David has such a wonderful understanding and an intimate revelation of God being the living God and uses countless descriptions through the Psalms and through other occasions in his life as God standing by his side, as God being a strong tower, as God being a refuge and a strength, the living God. Let's know that. Let's understand that. Let's call out on God for that to be our portion too, for him, for us to know him as the living God. Next, we're moving through and we're nearly there, right? Next, David didn't just know the Lord Almighty. He didn't just know him as the living God. As wonderful as those two names and facets of God's character are, David also knew him as my king and my God. That's what he calls him, my king and my God. Verse 3. You can see that. And here he's talking about, this is a big word for Sunday night, God's preeminence. Preeminent. He is preeminent, surpassing anything ever known. That's the one who's in covenant with you. That's the one who's in relationship with you. That's the one when you lay your head on your pillow tonight and close your eyes whose gaze is on you and never leaves you because he doesn't slumber or sleep, the Bible says. He's preeminent beyond knowing. And yet we know him and have a relationship with him, surpassing anything ever known. Next, not only did David know him as my king and my God, he also said, he's the God of Jacob. Verse 8, now it's interesting that David uses this, this term for God, the God of Jacob. He could have said the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, but he chooses to use and, and relate to God as the God of Jacob. Why is that? Because Jacob was a supplanter, a schemer, a deceiver, an unruly character, a runaway, a thief. A cheat? Why would David use this title of the Lord as being the God of Jacob? Well, he was describing God as the God of purpose. Purpose in the midst of in in in, in the midst of uh, um, what's the word? Chaos. 
in the midst of an unsubmitted, unsurrendered life, God comes with his purpose and he transforms the areas of our life that we cannot change. David had plenty of experience in this respect. Lives that, uh, areas of life that were unsurrendered, areas of life that he struggled with, areas of life that he couldn't bring into line. But he said, oh God, oh God, how many people tonight have got areas in their life unsubmitted, unsurrendered, that they can't bring into line. Hold on, I'm going to lie down on the floor. I'm going to put my two hands up and my two feet. But I thank God he's the God of Jacob. The areas that are unsurrendered in my life, he's a tender-hearted God. He loves us as he loved Jacob. He's got a purpose, you see. And as Paul said in Ephesians 1, he works all things together after the counsel of his will. The counsel of his will for your life is his purpose. He's the God of Jacob. And then finally, David said, I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to sing. He is God, our shield. God, our shield. Verses 9 and verses 11. Here, of course, David is reminding us that God protects us. He's your shield. Oh, you may not be able to see it with your eyes. But he's a shield. All those cursed words that come against you. All those, all those opinions. People about you. All of those conversations that others have had that you've not been privy to. All of those things that, that you feel are so set against you. He's your shield. The God, the Lord, our shield. And I tell you, this is all the portion of those who simply trust. See, that's the key. Verse 12. Blessed is the man who trusts in you, Lord. And as we trust in him, we'll grow in our understanding, our eyes and our hearts would be enlightened and our lives will be fruitful. Amen. David knew God as all-powerful, the Lord of heaven's armies. He knew God graciously providing the living God, the provider. He also knew him as my king, and my God, the preeminent one, the supreme one, the one that's beyond anything that we have ever known or will ever known. No, he also knew him as the God of Jacob, whose purpose it is to transform those unsurrendered areas of our lives. And he also knew him as the God, our shield. I'm telling you, there's been some attacks against us. We've known it attacks against us in like December face health and weird things but I'm telling you now it can only come so far because there's a shield there's a shield about the people of God it's God himself it's God himself that's how 
He loves us and that's how he cares for us. Amen. Lord, I thank you for your precious people. Oh God, Lord, I pray that your word would burn in us. And Lord, as RT prayed yesterday, that you are the God that will not withhold any good thing from those who walk right with you. Lord, I pray that as your people, we would experience the wonderful generosity of your hand, not for material things. Oh, but you would enrich us with treasures in our heart and in our mind that it would flow out like rivers from us and our whole life experience would not be inconsistent up and down governed many times by circumstances and cornered by others but our lives Lord would stand as a testimony to you that as we trust you and love you and give you our heart we would go from strength to strength Lord I give your people that word and now I pray Lord, I have given your word. I pray that signs and wonders would follow your word in our hearts. And from this moment forward, our lives would gather pace. Our lives, Lord, our very emotions, our well-being, Lord, would be strengthened. Lord, our whole life experience would go into the fast lane and that there would be a consistency among the people of God and we would our well-being would flourish because we are the blessed of God that your power would be directed to us in Jesus name for your glory amen